Hello out there, and welcome back to the GamecockScoop.com podcast, the official podcast of GamecockScoop.com on Rivals. I'm Caleb, joined by Alan, and we have a lot to talk about today. Uh, This is the day after National Signing Day. Um, Good bit of drama, both positive and negative, uh, for the Gamecocks on that. Uh, Got to hear from Shane Beamer for the first time in... What was it like? Forty days? No, no. It's, it's post game Clemson, so twenty five days, twenty six okay. now, but still Fair. almost a month. Oh wow, yeah. Um, so that that's exciting. We'll fill in some gaps there. Some other stuff has gone on in the portal. Obviously, both basketball teams are still off to their hot start. Um, it's a really fun time right now. So we'll we'll see how that goes. Um, for some reason, the so I we we use you know Streamyard or whatever to try to stream stuff as we're going. Um, I was trying to get it set up on Instagram Live. It looks like it's not working right now, but maybe we'll have that in the future. Uh, those of you that are watching, uh, thanks for checking in on Twitter or YouTube, which is where I think the other two uh, are posted right now. Um, if you would like to see when we go live, make sure you subscribe on Twitter or YouTube at Rivals Gamecock. We're also on Instagram, Facebook. All the things. We'll take uh, the questions. Also... If you're watching, we got some stuff we're going to get to. But if you have a question you want to ask, there's a comment box on YouTube and on Twitter if you respond to the tweet. Yeah, exactly. Um, and on top of that, sorry, I'm just getting this Instagram out of here. Um, on top of that, we are uh, we turn this into a podcast. So if you want to listen on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you listen to. Uh, that works as well. Um, anyway, let's start to break down this 2024 class a little bit. So at the moment, it is ranked number 29, I believe, in the 2024 Rivals rankings. But um, Rivals does kind of penalize smaller classes. So if you were to filter by um, average star average, ranking, yeah. um, then it's actually 13th in the country. And even that's going to take a knock too, because you've got uh, Mason Love in this class, the kicker, which rivals doesn't um, rank kickers, but that's not a two-star prospect. Yeah, it's true. Um, so to put it another way, of the 16 commitments, um, and l- let's call it 15 commitments, because Mason Love uh, is definitely not a two-star prospect. If you go to um, the kicking sort of rankings on other sites. He's considered a five-star kicker, punter, um, whatever. So, but let's just get rid of him. Let's say there's 15 prospects. 10 of the 15 prospects are four stars or higher, which is a pretty great uh, percentage there if you're South Carolina. Um, we talked a lot throughout the season, um, especially over the summer when it felt like South Carolina was missing out on some uh, close battles. I, I think back to like Jonathan Paler or Malcolm Ziegler or something like that. Um, we talked about how the NIL strategy seems to be go after your sure things um, like Dylan Stewart or Josiah Thompson. Um, I Not that I'm saying that they got paid heavily or anything like that, but make sure that, that, that you land the plane there um, and then go find your hidden gems like a Fred Johnson who uh, had very few offers before South Carolina offered and is now one of the highest rated linebackers in the country um, like a David Bucky who the, the staff really likes or Busey uh, the, that the, the staff really likes um, that's only rated a three-star on rivals. Um, so between those two and then saving your NIL money for the portal, which it seems like they uh, definitely did uh, with the way that the last couple of weeks have gone. Um, 
you can kind of start to build out a team from there. And so far, I would call the 2024 cycle both uh, from a high school recruiting perspective and a transfer perspective a win. I mean, obviously, you're not going to win every single one. Um, but I, I have to say, or I have to think you're feeling pretty good uh, if you're Beamer in the sta staff about how everything's gone. We'll see how things go with Daniel Hill, who uh, is still out there. He's um, going to commit during the All-American game on January 6th. 6th. Yep. At the moment, I would probably pick Mississippi State if I had to pick where he's going. But um, as we've seen, that that's kind of changed with the wind every two weeks or so for the last six months. So um, we'll see if anything changes again between now and January 6th. Um, let's break down this class a little bit. Uh, I thought a cool, cool way to do it would be um, let's give kind of class superlatives. If you want to read this in written form, it'll be posted on gameclassgroup.com later tonight, or at least mine will. Um, we kind of picked our own, but uh, let's, let's, let's go with this. So who is your biggest impact player uh, from this 2024 class? I'm sure we probably both have the same name, but. I think it kind of has to be Dylan Stewart just by virtue of being a five-star. Beamer said yesterday he's the highest-rated player the program's ever signed outside the state of South Carolina. Um, in the interest of giving a different answer, though, I'm going to say Josiah Thompson, who by most services is the second highest-rated player in this class, the highest-rated offensive player. It's an offensive lineman that has real week one starting potential at tackle. Um that's something else we didn't talk about yet, but Jalen Nichols went in the transfer portal yesterday. That's a guy who was your starting left tackle in 2022, who would have been last year if he hadn't gotten hurt in the spring game. You're going to – I think this is something Beamer said yesterday too, but you literally can never have enough offensive linemen. I think if there's anything you learned about this team, the 2023 season, it's that. Um, and we're going to talk about this whole offensive line class that's three pretty big in-state blue chippers. But Josiah Thompson is a top 50 national player um, and I think could play week one. Yeah, um, I, I think Josiah Thompson is a, a great answer there. He's going to come up uh, in just a moment for one of my other ones. Um, I did say Dylan Stewart. Um, I took I took the uh, the easy way out there, but um, high, like you said, the highest rated member of this class and the highest rated out of state five star that South Carolina has ever landed um, in the modern rivals era. Um, I think he is a legit edge rusher that will. Um, make an impact as a freshman. Um, as much as I liked Desmondumi Ozulu and his upside and and think a, a year in the program means we're going to see some from him uh, next year, he was not quite, I guess, uh, ready from day one the way that Dylan Stewart's going to be. Um, there's a reason that uh, he's continually been a five-star since pretty much the entire process uh, for the 2024 class and rivals. Every time someone's gone out to see him, uh they've continued to 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 put praises on him i uh i heard adam gorney talking to uh shane beamer about that yesterday and he pretty much said like that's what we need as edge rushers we didn't do a good job good enough job at that last year um and stewart kind of immediately steps in and makes an impact on that role so that's that's my thing there with josiah thompson um in that same interview um it was Adam Gorney, uh, Rivals National Analyst. He said, you know, he, he keeps creeping up the rankings. Uh, he's basically a five-star in Rivals now. He's not quite there. He's like the 20... 4.9 star? Yeah, he's about as close as you can get. Um, I think he's like the 40... It was 48, I think, yeah. I yeah, wrote a story about the line yesterday if you were subscribed. But yeah, 48. 
Yeah, so 48th ranked uh, player in the in the country. He's the number four offensive lineman in the country. And and when Gorney was talking to uh, Beamer yesterday, he was like, I'm still not sure that we have him rated high enough. Um, and like you said, there's some other services that do have him uh, in that five-star range. So by the time it's all said and done and we get the final rankings, it's possible that this class has two five-stars. Either way, uh, it doesn't really matter how many stars are beside their name or not. Um, they're both going to make a big impact and and early. I, I expect both to play next year. Yep, I'm, I'm, I'm with you there. I'm with you on Stuart. That's probably the correct answer. Um, just wanted to offer something different. Um, should we move on to underrated? Yeah, so my most underrated uh, member of this class is Matthew Fuller. Um, that's a running back who really took a big step forward his senior year. I, I don't have his uh, final stat line in front of me. It'll be in the in the article later. It was pretty ludicrous. Five A ball in Georgia. He tore it up. <laughs> yeah, and I remember at one point, like four games into the season, he had like a thousand yards through four games. Um, he was putting up two hundred yard weeks every game game to start the season. He, I think he had a four touchdown game somewhere in that stretch. Um, yeah, he he was dominant in five A Georgia ball this year. Um, I think has good size, obviously a position of need at running back. Um, I think you have some confidence now, and we'll, we'll get into this when we talk portal. You, you have some confidence in the sort of veteran presence in your running back room. I think that's a great freshman piece to let uh, build for a year or two and, and see where he ends up. Um, I, he kind of reminds me of uh, who was the guy that just played for the NFL, played for the Patriots for a second. Um, oh, Kevin Harris. Yeah, he's got Kevin Harris vibes where um, not, Kevin Harris was a three-star but had just like crazy strength and speed um, and kind of put it all together after a couple of years. It wouldn't surprise me if we see a similar thing with Matthew Fuller. Yep, I'm going to go with Fred Johnson. You mentioned him a little bit as kind of in that gem category, the linebacker from Virginia, kind of under-recruited early in his cycle, um, got the offer from South Carolina. I think Beamer said yesterday he came to one of their camps, but – it committed in June. Staff stayed on him. Beamer mentioned they went up for his high school state championship game at UVA last week. Um, I don't know about immediate playing time. I think you actually feel okay about linebacker right now with Debo Williams, Bam Martin, Scott, Pub Howard, and Stone Blanton all back next year. I don't know where that's going to fit for a guy like Fred Johnson as a true freshman, but I think you like the upside there. I think you like what you saw. Um, Beamer also mentioned yesterday with him and Wendell Gregory, who might fit into one of the other answers, but that they both have um, exterior linebacker potential, as in like pass rushing edge type, not just inside linebackers. Um, where that fits, what that means in a three-three-five, I don't know. But I thought that was an interesting comment. Grouping two guys together there is maybe not just being what their position card says they are. Yeah, we're gonna end up talking about uh, both he, he and Gregory a little bit more for one of my other answers, but. I will say pretty much every time I talk to Adam Friedman throughout this year, um, he covers the mid-Atlantic region for Rivals.com. Um, he was talking about Fred Johnson. He, I mean, he's uh, really come on very strong after that uh, camp offer, like you said. He really hadn't done a bunch of um, recruiting service camps like Rivals or, or 247 or any of those. Um, so he was kind of under the radar. And South Carolina took advantage of the fact that he was under the radar, got in there early, um, and really never looked back. There was definitely a little bit of a push um, from Virginia there at the end, but uh, you know, ultimately didn't work out. I was trying to find this comment on the Insiders Forum on GameGuysGroup.com because one of our uh, 
subscribers what lives in that area i guess and he said basically that the the local news um had highlights of fred johnson pretty much every single week and that doesn't surprise me at all kids yeah, that's another uh, that's another thing beamer mentioned too yesterday just that come made me think of it but i think he said it was eight players in this class that are playing in high school all-star games and six who played in state championship games last week um and fred johnson falls in both those categories yeah, and there is something to be said for like culture building, um, finding kids that don't know how to lose yet. <laughs> yeah, um, don't know what it's like to lose. You know, uh, you can ben- build a win- winning mentality um, sometimes without even um, <laughs> meaning to uh, w- with some of that. But yeah, uh, All Star games are going to be really interesting to watch. You got the Under Armour All Star game. Um, I'll have the full list of each of those uh, posted before that and then you have the uh, all-american game and like you said there's eight total i yep. think um playing across those two games and then daniel hill who's still a target as well um what about your offensive mvp so the the person you view as the the biggest offensive player of this class so i said just like Thompson for another answer so i'll just change it up i'm gonna say dante reno but actually not even as much for what he can be at quarterback even though i do still think there's a lot of upside there it sounds like he, and it makes sense if you just track the timeline, was the lead recruiter as a player in this entire class. Beamer said yesterday that if football doesn't work out for him, he's going to hire him on staff as a recruiter. Um, Dante Reno has been committed since July of 2022. That was six months for anybody else in this class. He's been kind of driving the bus from a player perspective, getting players in, even down to signing day. Beamer said he called Dante Reno yesterday um, about just the, the Devon Gatling flip, which you might get to that later too. Um. Yeah, you're all, your MVP of this class, Dante Reno. We even like the quarterback. Um, I have a feeling you're going to say Josiah Thompson, but if you got another one, I'm curious to hear it. Well, I have him for a different answer, so okay. I do have another one. Um, okay. But yeah, just on Dante, uh, great kid. Um, probably the, the recruit I've talked to the most throughout this cycle, too. Um, I, I assume that's probably the case for anyone that covers recruiting uh in this space because yeah he he seemed always um kind of down for a quick interview quick check-in uh and was always a pleasure to talk to if you go back to uh his commitment interview i did on our youtube channel on gamecock scoop um the uh i we recorded this whole interview and i looked down and realized that i hadn't hit the record button um and you know if i'm him as a 18 year old i'm like uh you know good try i'll see you later whatever um, but, uh, he actually like, let me, you know, hit restart and, and we recorded the whole thing again. So I will never forget that, um, that memory. And I think that speaks a lot to his uh, character as a, as a young man as well. Um, my impact player is actually another one that I think South Carolina did a good job of getting in on early before his recruitment blew up. And that is tied in Michael Smith. Um, he is a Supreme athlete. He's definitely going to fill that more Jaheim Bell, um, Trey Knox, uh, the who's the guy right now that's coming back this year? Simon. Yeah, more of your Pat Josh Simon, more of your pass catching role. Um, whereas we've seen um, some other guys like Brady Hunt who can catch passes, but I think are also going to fill that hybrid role. Um, Connor Cox, more of that hybrid role. So anyway, I, I think a, a big get and um, someone that's going to be an offensive weapon, uh, maybe as soon as next year, you could you could start to see him work in a little bit, but definitely as he um, builds out 
his big frame. Um, he's he's a great athlete. So I think that that's going to end up being a really good get. This has kind of been a staple of really throughout the Shane Beamer era, maybe Gator Bull aside, but your tight end room right now is very diverse. It's very deep. You can go back to whether that's year uh, the 2022 season where you had a guy like Jaheim Bell in there, who you mentioned. Um, Austin Stogner was there that year too. And then last year you get you kind of flip that whole room, right? You got Nick Elksmith in, Simon Knox, Cox, and uh, Reed McKeska as your freshman. Now you're adding Smith as a freshman. You got Brady Hunt in the portal, as you said. A lot of just a lot of bodies there and a lot of different options there at tight end, just kind of things you can do with that room. What about on the other side of the ball? Who do you feel is uh, the defensive MVP of this class? Taking the Dylan Stewart out of it, um, just kind of that's the obvious caveat that that's probably the answer. I got to say, Jalua Solomon. Um, that was probably the most chaotic recruitment of this cycle for South Carolina, at least it, that obviously that was a flip from Auburn or it felt like he was a South Carolina lock. And then he went to Auburn and then he flipped back to South Carolina. Bieber told a story yesterday in his presser that the day Solomon committed to Auburn, he got a text from him at 2 AM the next night saying, don't stop recruiting me. And Bieber was just kind of confused about what that even meant, but he didn't, the staff didn't, um, they ended up getting the flip. There was the whole thing yesterday where if you want to see us panic for about 10 minutes on the insiders forum, they tweeted his welcome home. They deleted it. They reposted it. Um, as for him as a football player, though, as a corner, uh, a four-star out of Georgia, um, listed as an athlete, but he's going to start a corner. We were confirmed that yesterday. We've seen players in Torian Gray secondary come in immediately and make an impact. I think there's going to be snaps up for grabs there at that position next year with Marcellus Dial out of the picture now. Um I think it's a really good get there. Yeah, he shows up uh, on this list in a different place for me as well. Um, and I think the fact that you not only got him in, but got him in to play uh, on the defensive side of the ball, because for a while there, he definitely wanted to play wide receiver. Uh, it's huge because I do think his upside's a little bit uh, higher at, on the defensive side of the ball. But honestly, it wouldn't surprise me, especially uh, given the state of the wide receiver room right now. Uh, if he doesn't play a little bit on both sides, like it, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he takes some offensive snaps uh, here and there. He is that sort of athlete. Um, I just wanted to read a little bit of what uh, John Garcia Jr., Rivals National Analyst, said about him just a couple weeks ago. He called him one of the top two-way talents in the country um, and really like one of the top athletes uh, in the entire class. Um, said class is loaded at wide receiver. So maybe he's not in the top 100 if he's just going to play on offense. But if he's playing defense, uh, that's really where his um, floor is high uh, and his ceiling is is even higher. So um, that's he rivals has Solomon rated higher than any other uh, service, I think. And it's really um, looking at that defensive potential. So if South Carolina gets him to play on the defensive side of the ball, I think that that's that's not far off. My uh, defensive MVP, I kind of cheated. Um, I just put the LBs. Um, I, I went back and forth on which one of them I was going to choose between Wendell Gregory and, and Fred Johnson. Um, they kind of have two different stories. Wendell Gregory uh, was a uh, highly rated recruit um, that was sought after by pretty much everyone in the South uh, early on. And then um, he signed, what was that last February and, and locked things down. One of the early ones there. Yeah. yeah. Really drama free for, for such a high, highly rated recruit. Um, and then, like you said, Fred Johnson uh, has come along a little bit later with the rankings, but now they're basically rated the same. They have very similar body types. They have very similar playing styles. 
Um, so yeah, it was kind of hard for me to choose, choose which one of them is going to be the defensive MVP, but I think they both, uh, are just really good football players, uh, have a nose for the football and I don't know, you know, how much they play as freshmen, because like you said, that, that linebacker room is, is pretty, uh, good and young right now, but we've also seen a lot of injuries there. So who knows? We'll, we'll see how that, that plays out. But, um, also if you're going to this, Three three five look, or you're trying to work in this three three five look a little bit more. Um, it wouldn't surprise me to see them work in as as edge or like Bam Martin Scott sort of role role right. pretty early on as well. Yeah. Um, go ahead. Uh, so that, that, that's another uh, that's kind of a pipeline too. You're getting there. That's the same high school you pulled Case and Henry out of that Metro Atlanta school. Right. Um, I guess along those same uh, lines, who is your immediate contributor? So who do you feel like has the clearest path to, to playing time and has the potential to take advantage of it? We're, we're kind of running answers into each other right now. I, I still think it's Josiah Thompson, just given the tackle situation and his talent. I'm going to say Cam Pringle also, though, because we haven't talked about him yet. And I think there's a very similar story to be had there. Another member of this offensive line recruiting class uh, of another four star, another in-state kid. Um Another one that was pursued by pretty much everyone in the South that you had to push from Clemson from that you had to hold off. Um, just one of the largest human beings I've ever seen in person. I remember walking past him in the tunnel of the spring game last year when he was still a junior in high school at that point. This was April of 23. Um, just huge. And that's to say nothing of the football ability and what he can do on the field and as a blocker and everything like that. But I think, I still think you'd have Thompson rated higher just because he is rated higher, but you need tackles and there's no reason Cam Pringle can't be one of those guys. Yeah. We, we currently have him listed at six, seven, 328 yeah. pounds. Yeah. <laughs> it looks it. And it's all um, muscle not, too. It's was, yeah. There is a little bit probably of uh distribution that'll, that'll change a little bit once he gets into a college weight program, but I think he can, definitely carry 300 plus pounds um it's definitely not 50 pounds of fat or anything like that no. um for reference josiah thompson 67286 is what we have him listed at i think he'll creep up closer to 300 too um but he's starting from a little bit of a, a leaner base than, than cam is um my immediate contributor is josiah thompson yeah. you, you already mentioned them but um i think because of the need uh because of uh just how polished he already is um, as I said, the, the rivals, uh, national guys really, really like him. Um, won't surprise me if, if things move up even further, uh, every time they've seen him, he's moved up a little bit. So, um, I think, you know, getting him on campus, getting him in the weight room, uh, and because of just the lack of depth, I, I don't know that he's starting, uh, next year, but he's on the two deep for sure. Uh, no question. I don't even, I don't even think you'd even debate that. Um, Who's going to grow the most in this class? Who's the guy that's maybe not as rated now that you think in four years you're going to look back and say that was a pretty good get? Yeah, so like you said, we are we are getting into some overlap a little bit. This was where I had Jalewis Solomon. Um, and it's mostly just because I think uh, he, he did play both ways in high school. Um, if he really focuses in on DB, uh, and we've seen Torian Gray obviously is one of the best in the business at developing defensive backs. Um, I really think his... Uh, skill set is primed to really explode in a way that um yeah only a few people can can really can really reach um so it, it won't surprise me at all again he's playing an all-american game as well um it won't surprise me at all if a couple years from now we're talking about uh him as a 
NFL draft potential sort of guy. He's he's got that level of upside and um, polishing that will uh, go a long way, I think. I'm going to stick with the Torian Gray with Torian Gray's room and go to a guy we haven't talked about yet, which is a little surprising because he was the highest rated defensive back slash safety in the state of South Carolina. Kelvin Hunter is on campus. Um, only a three star by rivals. I think that's some people maybe thought he should have been higher. Um, we've seen Torian Gray, whether that's Nicky Minwari, whether that's taking DQ Smith from a quarterback into it, into a safety and playing as a freshman judge Collier last year, Jalen Kilgore. Um, I just generally trust Torian Gray's evaluation and development. Um, I think anytime you keep a kid in state, that's a big deal too. Like we talked about, like Shane talked about yesterday. Um, and again, I don't know where the snaps are coming from as a freshman. Um, I think you feel pretty good about Nick and DQ at safety, but over the course of a four-year development, Kelvin Hunter feels like he could slide in there. Yeah. Um, something interesting when you watch the tape of Kelvin Hunter is how much he played close to the line of scrimmage as well. Um, he, um, I, I believe he had several sacks this past season as a senior as well, which is kind of interesting from a, a safety sort of guy. Right. But, uh, yeah, I think he slots as a potential nickel, um, playing a little bit closer to the line and, uh, he's definitely got a nose for the football. And I, I would say the same is true for, uh, David Busey, the other safety in this class, um, he loves to hit. He was a he was a middle linebacker at his high school, so um, he'll have to transition a little bit to to playing safety. But I, I think he has the speed to do so, and he's already got the uh, the mean streak in him, I guess, <laughs> that you need to streak to hit someone coming across the middle. Um, what about this last category, uh, which is who is your hidden gem? Which I suppose is kind of similar to most underrated, but um, just another one, I guess, that maybe hasn't quite gotten the the boost that um, some of the bigger names in this class have. I think I'm just going to go with the last member of this class. The one that signed a little over 24 hours ago is Debron Gatling, the wide receiver out of Georgia, the three-star who flipped in Texas A&M. Another guy who was a state champion in his school, actually beat, uh, he beat Wendell Gregory's school in the state title game. Um, yeah. I just, that's a guy that, that a lot of people know about that. I think even a lot of South Carolina fans don't know about just how late that was in the process. Beamer said yesterday, they ID'd him in the spring. They liked him. They stayed on him through the summer and into the fall. Um, obviously the coaching change at A&M probably helped you out there a little bit. Um, you were able to get in there um, and make that late flip. Yeah. Uh, that's the same name I had there. Um, when you look at the two wide receivers in this class, they have, different but complementary styles. Um, Mazio Bennett, obviously, uh, is a little more polished as a route runner. Um, He's going to be more of your Kenny McKinley or um, Bruce Ellington type, where he's he's not the biggest bodied guy, but he runs really nice routes and he finds ways to get open. Um, And he just has like a killer mindset. So I think he's going to do great, Um, maybe not as a true freshman or whatever. But uh, Gatling's a little bit more of a... um, one-on-one like he's he's really good at winning one-on-one battles uh his um tape is just full of him winning jump balls against uh dbs in down in georgia like you said uh his recruitment was a little weird so he started pretty highly rated as a four-star like you said ended up at texas a&m had offers from pretty much everywhere in the country um it's kind of gone down a little bit since then uh, he's ends up as a three star, um, but I think maybe they dropped him a little bit too far. He's he's somewhere between the two. Uh, I would put it probably as like a low four uh, with the potential to be more. And that's really just 
can he find a way to separate? Because um, he, he's really good at, at winning those one-on-one battles, which, again, in, in college, you don't necessarily have to separate if you're good at that. Uh, maybe that will limit his NFL potential or whatever. But um, I, I really think he could uh, develop into to someone that you can depend on, especially in like the red zone situations like that. So, and I've been checking him off. There is exactly one high school commit in this class we have not talked about, and that is certainly not a last but least thing because I wrote about him yesterday. Talk to me about Blake Franks just because we have not mentioned him at all yet. Yeah, um, I mean, I actually saw – I'll give credit to uh, Helma Granahan on the Big Sur Spur because I saw him break down the class or whatever, and he mentioned that uh, last year Trovon Baugh was the lowest-rated um, offensive line men in that class and obviously probably had the best season of any offensive lineman i mean him or him or tree um so you could see something similar i I think with blake franks he's he's certainly um someone that they like a lot that they um believe can have an impact and have an impact early um you might say guards a little bit deeper for South Carolina right now, as far as the roster construction. So it might be harder for him to break through uh, early, but I think in a couple of years, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he's a starting member of that offensive line. Yeah. I think just if nothing else, like you said, with Trovon ball, you feel good about at least one good spot at guard. Um, but Franks is definitely worth mentioning. Like I said, I wrote about him a little bit more in depth on gamecockscoop.com yesterday. If you're subscribed and that is your your trio, right? Pringle, Thompson, Franks, your Great Wall of Carolina, as they've called it. Three blue chippers, three offensive linemen, all in state. You got them all to stay. That's a huge deal, no pun intended. Yeah, and I guess we didn't really talk a ton about Mason Love, um, but like I said, very highly rated. Kicking prospect, you don't usually give scholarship offers to kickers unless you uh, feel pretty confident in it. Um, I tend to trust Pete Limbo's talent eval oh be, that uh, is another thing we didn't mention beamer said yesterday they moved alex herrera on the scholarship after um Mitch cheater transferred to notre dame and Herrera only has one more one more year of eligibility so that's not going to be a long-term block on love or anything but that happened yesterday too or we learned about it yesterday yeah i mean i think ideally you'd like herrera to be the guy this year let love develop for a year yeah. um, and then be the guy going forward but i mean like you said the other day uh it's not like you really need to bulk up uh, as, as a kicker. Uh, if you can make the kicks, you can make the kicks. So yep. um, that'll be an interesting storyline to watch in the spring and into the into the fall. Um, I guess a good transition point here is you also picked up a JUCO uh, defensive tackle, tackle in this in this class, um, Jerome Simmons. I don't know that he's someone that's going to come in and uh, immediately fall in the two deep, and that's more to say just how much depth you have a defensive tackle now at this point after holding on to everyone and what you've already done in the portal. Um, but I do think quality ad that has uh, some upside after, you know, being in the program for a year or so. So that'll, that'll be really interesting uh, to see how that plays out. Also, there was a lot of portal news. Um, Since we last spoke. Actually, one more thing about national signing day uh, in case you missed it, Braden Lee, um, had a last second flip to Maryland. Um, there's already been a lot of discussion on the internet and across the internet about what went on there. Um, you can read uh, it straight from his mouth on uh, the front page of GameCockScoop.com. Uh, one of our national analysts uh, had an interview with him, but um, basically he said, you know, his, his father died 
in the last year. Um, there was a member of the Maryland staff, the, the name escapes me right now, that also uh, lost a father pretty young or whatever. And he felt like they were able to build a relationship in that grief, I guess. Um, it, it's hard to fault a, a kid for wanting to stay close to home with something like that happening. So uh, I know South Carolina fans in particular <laughs> don't like uh, losing recruiting battles to Maryland um, after some things that went down a few years ago with Jay Sean Barnum. Um, if it makes South Carolina fans feel any better, uh, Barnum signed yesterday with Michigan uh, in the portal. So that didn't exactly work out um, for Loxley and, and company. But um, anyway, I guess all that is to say recruiting's weird. Uh, don't tweet at recruits. Don't yell at kids. <laughs> obligatory. Yeah, exactly. Don't treat, don't tweet at recruits. Um, and yeah, I mean, sometimes the what's best for the person matters more than what's best for college football program so um that's all i really got to say about that one all right let's get into all of the crazy portal news that has happened we did hit a good uh, chunk of it last week but there has been several more since we last spoke it's been a busy seven days yeah um i guess if i'm just gonna rattle them off the top of my head my most exciting uh thing to talk about is uh, defensive end kyle canard out of georgia tech um, I think that is huge. Uh, that is, he led Georgia Tech in sacks and tackles for loss last year. Um, pretty much exactly what you need at a position that you really need some quality depth at. Um, I, I heard, I don't, I don't know if Beamer talked about it in the press conference yesterday, but he did talk about it with um, Gorney and he, he talked about bringing in Dylan Stewart, but also just having another year in the program with guys like Umi Zulu, with guys like Jatias Gear, who, people don't don't remember but he was a redshirt freshman coming in um and then you add a guy like canard and i think um that defensive line is is starting to really come together and has uh, a good bit of upside depending on how this offseason goes as far as development and all that we talked about canard a little bit last week because he was rumored to be with south carolina i don't know if that was the day of his visit here or like the day before when we recorded last week but that's a big get. That's a power five guy. That's a power five starter on a team that went to a bowl game. That's like, that's not a, that's a guy who can play 40, 50, 60 snaps a game for you at edge, get after the quarterback, media pressure. Like you said, a guy for some of those younger guys to learn off of, um, take pressure off some of those younger guys. You don't need Dylan Stewart to come in and be Jadavion Davion Clowney. If you got a guy with power five experience rushing the quarterback, um, and he held off Florida State. That's the other thing. He was in Tallahassee, I think, two days before he was in Columbia, um, and he still won that battle. Yeah, that was that was a huge priority for the staff, and they made it happen. Um, and that's what you have to do. So um, when I look at other portal ads, you have um, – We talked about Brady Hunt a little bit. That's the tight end from Ball State. There were some Pete Lembo connections there from his time in Muncie. Um, sounds like he already kind of knew the family a little bit. Um yeah, good get that's, that's the guy room. with a lot. Sorry, go ahead. No, it's just good get asked the room. We talked about him in the tight end part a little earlier, but yeah, definitely a guy with a lot of upside. He had ankle surgery last season, but um, in 2022, he was first team all Mac, uh, had 498 receiving yards and five touchdowns, and um, just a sophomore. So uh, he did that as a freshman, still has some room to grow, still has some upside, and has already shown it on a college field, albeit at a little bit. Uh, smaller level lower level um you also finished out your running back room with se state running back jawarn howell um that's another young guy i believe he is coming off of his freshman season or redshirt freshman season um and was really productive for se state 
again, you know, up a level, we'll see how it uh, produces. But I mean, having that as your third, fourth running back on your, on your roster, I think is um, a nice place to be, especially compared to the last couple of years. You've pretty much flipped your running back room. And not only that, you've spaced it out well with the scholarships and different, you know, eligibility left. You're thinking, all right, maybe rocket for one more year. I believe Oscar Attaway has two years of eligibility left with North Texas transfer. Obviously, you just mentioned Howell's an underclassman. You've got Juju McDowell, who's going to be a senior this year. Um, and then DJ Braswell, who's a sophomore, and Matthew Fuller, who's a true freshman. You've got depth there, and you've got spaced out depth at running back, which neither of those things were true this time last year. Yeah, and I just double-checked. It, it was his true freshman season this past year, and he's explosive. Um, he had a 85-yard run. He averaged 7.9 a carry, um, 102 attempts, 809 yards, seven touchdowns. Obviously, yeah, there's going to be a learning curve uh, going from South Carolina State to the SEC, but um, he he proved that, uh, at least at that level, he was one of the best athletes on the entire field and the entire conference. Yeah, and you, I mean, you saw it last year that you can take that time. You can develop a guy from a lower level. You saw it with Mario Anderson coming from an even lower level. That's who was from D2. Yeah, exactly. Um, I feel like I'm missing someone else in the portal. Gerald, Gerald Kilgore. Kilgore. Yep. Yeah. Um, that is obviously Jalon Kilgore's brother, Tennessee Tech. Yep. Um, nice step piece for the secondary. Uh, I honestly haven't had a ton of time to break down his game yet, but uh, if he has you know, any similarity to his brother, he should be just fine. Yeah, uh, pretty much what Beamer said yesterday that he kind of got to know Gerald just because that's how it works when you recruited a player. You get to know their whole family. He's kept an eye on him for a while. Gerald's the, I guess, is he younger or old? I think he's older, but yeah, you're older. Um, so you just got to know him a little bit. He was already obviously in college then when Jalen was a senior. Um, and they, they just, you know, respects the family. It's, you know, it works. Like it's just, it works. It's, it's good for Jalen. It's good for Gerald. It's good for everybody involved. It's another piece. Like you said, is that all the portals? I think we, well, we talked rocket and Oscar sort of. last week. <laughs> sort of. Let's get into the weirdness here for a second. So yeah. there are two other welcome homes that have not officially sent in their paperwork. One we know is not going to, and one probably is not going to. Um, so the one that, uh, you know, is out in the public sphere, wide receiver, Jade McGowan. We talked a little bit about him last week, uh, originally from Lawrence played at Vandy gave the staff a uh, thumbs up and so beamer and company went with the welcome home and then um he even revealed that he was committed uh, and we ran the story all the things seemed like you know he was in the coop um but uh, uh, what i've gathered is he continued to um talk with boston college and continued to try to get a better deal tried to you know leverage use um negotiation whatever um i don't think that south carolina liked that very much which i can't say that i blame them um i don't think that they upped the offer which i can't say that i blame them and yeah it sounds like maybe he's going to end up a, at boston college now i don't think that's a huge loss uh one way or another i mean certainly was going to be a part of the repertoire uh but he kind of you know projected to me as like an omari and brown which is Again, important, uh, speedy, could have uh, you know built in a couple of deep shots to him a game or, or whatever you're going to do. But um, uh, you, there's going to be more uh, movement in the portal after the bowl games uh, and into the spring. 
I think you can still find one or two other wide receivers to replace that guy if uh, it doesn't end up fully working out. Yeah, we talked about him extensively last week, if you want to go back and look at that. But he did get Jared Brown in this class, too. He officially signed yesterday. That's the Coastal Carolina wide receiver who I think has more upside than McGowan. Yeah, so we'll keep you posted on the Insiders Forum at GameClassGroup.com if anything else uh, develops there one way or the other. But I'm, at the moment, not expecting things to work out there. And then the other one uh, was a welcome home that we found out was A.J. Swan. Um, again, we talked a little bit about him last week. Uh, South Carolina is looking for a backup quarterback um, to or or someone to kind of push sellers or or whatever. But they're not looking to. They like who they like in sell or they like who they have in sellers and Reno, who we talked about. Um, they don't think it's a priority to go out and spend big money on a starting quarterback because they think they already have that in house. Um, but they are looking for a little bit of depth because the room itself is is sort of thin. At the moment, um, I guess they thought AJ Swan could be that guy. Uh, looks like AJ Swan wanted something more concrete in terms of being named the starter. Um, I don't think he got that at LSU either, but he ended up at LSU, though they have an heir apparent there as well. So interesting, but whatever. So that that other welcome home was AJ Swan, and he's not coming. I will say I do think if you just start looking ahead, that is still going to have to be a priority. Beamer said yesterday that Luke Doty was going to be, uh, I think the term he used is continuing on his path, which means mostly wide receiver and special teams, and they'll just kind of dipping into the quarterback room. So if you look at it that way, you're basically down to two full-time quarterbacks, and one of them's a true freshman. The other one's Lenora Sellers who's barely played. Like, It's very tricky to toe the line of needing someone and not wanting to feel like you're stepping over sellers and wanting to create competition, but like you don't have enough bodies of quarterback right now. You just don't. Right. And we've gotten several questions about KJ Jefferson. Um, Malachi Nelson's come and, up a little bit. Yeah. Malachi Nelson, who uh, I guess had South Carolina in his initial group of interests. Both those guys are going to be expensive. And I don't know if either of those guys wants to go and compete against Lenora sellers. Um, like, it would be hard for me to foresee someone going and getting KJ Jefferson and not handing him the keys, uh, especially he's only got one season left. Right. So, yep. Um, I do think there would be something to be said of going and getting Jefferson. If sellers was cool with learning behind him for one more year, because I think their games have some overlap. Um, could be a useful mentorship, but I, I mean, whatever he had, Rattler last year too that I assume was also a useful mentorship. Um, I think if you believe in them, your NIL resources are best used, um, kind of distributed around, and that's what we've seen. So um, I, I would I'd be surprised if either of those guys end, ends up at South Carolina. I guess is the long way of saying that. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I think that, like obviously, said, quarterback for sure. You'll never say no to more line depth on either side of the ball, and. I don't know, maybe probably wide receiver now that McGowan's out of the fold is probably what you got to look at target wise moving forward in the portal and through, I guess there's still another signing day, even though it doesn't really matter as much in the modern era. Yeah. You still need one or two veteran wide receivers. I think um, you got some guys that are coming back uh, another year of development under coach step. Uh, they're going to be better, but I still think you, you could use some guys that have already proven it a little bit. Um, and then, yeah, the freshman 
uh, maybe they exceed expectations and, and uh, put in some meaningful minutes as true freshmen, but that's that's a tough ask. So I think you definitely need some receivers. You'd like one more offensive lineman. You'd like a backup quarterback if you can. Um, I've seen several posters on the Insiders Forum be like, why don't we go get a D2 guy? Do do those guys want to come sit? <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the program. Thing, like- um, when they could, you know, at least play another year uh, as a starter or whatever. I don't know. It's 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 a tough call, but we'll we'll see. Um, yeah, that's that's really that's really it. And I do think Luke Doty can be a uh, press button in case of emergency option. Yeah, and I and I don't know that he's a worse option than AJ Swan or whatever. So either way, you're still down to three bodies in the quarterback room when you had five last year and. I'm not saying you're going to get to a 2021 Zeb Nolan situation, but it never hurts to have a fourth guy in there. Yeah. Uh, well, you already have a 2026 quarterback in Landon Duckworth. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and they are definitely still in it with 2025 quarterback Ryan Montgomery. Um, so I think, you know, as long as you can get through a year, one year without any major in- injuries, things could start to build themselves back up. But I mean, that's, that's the tough catch 22 of quarterback recruiting, right? You recruit quarterbacks that want to play <laughs> and with the, in the portal era, um, there are places for them to go play if they are going to be stuck sitting for two or three years. So yeah. Um, be happy that you have your starter. I think most people, uh, most teams would struggle if their starting quarterback went down. You're not in a unique position. Yeah. That's just the reality of the one position on the field, I guess, other than like kicker and punter, where you only have one of them. There's five linemen, there's four defensive linemen in most systems, two, three corners, two, three receivers running. Like, there's one quarterback. Yeah, exactly. Um, One other portal note, I guess, on the negative side, we got word yesterday um, that Jalen Nichols entered the transfer portal. Um, That wasn't one that I had heard much rumblings of or whatever um as far as i know he kind of was eyeing it last year but uh, it's kind of interesting that then you have a year where you don't play at all and then you go because can't imagine his uh profile has been elevated in that time or whatever and it, it did seem like he would have probably started but at the very least been on the two deep going into next year so i don't know a little bit of a head scratcher but i don't know him or people around him so i don't have a ton of insight on on what went down there except for he's in the portal and you're uh short one more offensive lineman but you didn't have him at all last year anyway so yeah and that's just kind of where it comes down to we talked about all three of those linemen in the recruiting class already i still you could probably deal with a portal lineman um you're not going to get the texas tech he had monroe mills he committed to louisville he was on campus last week and he still have an offer out for a Furman lineman um, I think one other one too, but could probably do with one more body there, especially now that Nichols is gone. Yeah, I believe they had uh, another one for like an Ivy League guy. Um, I don't know how that's turned out yet. I yeah, I haven't heard a ton of momentum yet as far as visits with an offensive lineman behind, besides the the Texas Tech guy that you said uh, already already committed somewhere else. Um, all right. Any other recruiting or portal notes? I know that was a lot. Uh, it's a fun show. Um, and if you didn't catch any of it or want to go back and read long form of any of it, go to gameclassgroup.com. If you go to the insiders forum, we had our early signing day thread 
going yesterday and it had um, commitment articles for every single kid and had film breakdowns for every single kid in the 24 class, except for DeBron Gatling, who just committed yesterday, but we'll have some film stuff up later this week on him. Um, so tons of content there if you want to know more about any of these recruits. Uh, and then we have our two portal threads going too, uh, which have been kind of auto-populating since the portal opened uh, at the beginning of this month and tons of info there if you want to catch up on any of that. So that's the insiders forum at GamecockScoop.com. Let's talk a little bit of basketball before we get out of here. Um, over the weekend, uh, well, I guess it was Tuesday, not the weekend. But no, they play over the weekend too. Both teams played twice since we last talked and both teams have won twice. And I'm getting the... The, the holidays are a black hole. It's December no 21st. No one knows what day it is. No one knows what time it is. Yeah, it's... The, we're, I'm completely lost. Um, all right, so let's start with the women. Um, the Was the Utah game the last thing that happened? Or was no, it... they played Presbyterian oh, they... Saturday and Bowling Green Tuesday. Yes, and yeah, they won both by a million. Um, so there's, there's not a ton to discuss there. Uh, except for that the turnovers continue to be a problem. Even in the Bowling Green game, they hit their uh, average, which is about 12 a game. Um, Chloe Kitts had a career high. That was pretty cool for her. Um, Bree Hall made a million threes. Um, they kind of dominated uh, early on there. <laughs> South Carolina started 10 of 10 um, from the floor, which is pretty good, I've heard. Um, and uh, there was never really any... Um, threat i guess from bowling green bowling green's not a bad team they're now six and three but they're one of the top teams in the MEAC. they may be a tournament team there's a huge gap between yeah. <laughs> uh, the the two programs and I, I mean i guess that's all there really is to say about that uh, i don't know if you have any more to add on on the women's side i didn't watch the bowling green game it was the men's game presbyterian game very similar thing played a decent overmatched big south team in one uh, the women are on their Christmas break now. They will be back next week at East Carolina. That's their last game before SEC play. Uh, just keep an eye on the turnovers. We talked about that a little bit last week. Is kind of my thing right now. The men have one more game before the Christmas break. They play tomorrow against Elon at home. And then they play Florida A&M on the other side of the break. And that is their last game before SEC play. Um, they've played twice since we last talked. They won twice. Both kind of ugly games. Um, beat Charleston Southern by four. Beat Winthrop by ten. Um, you won both. I thought the Winthrop game was a little bit better than the score suggested. I thought they played pretty well for most of the night in that game. Winthrop hit a couple shots. Um, sloppy Sunday against a not very good team, but you found a way. Um, are we learning anything new about this team, or is it just we think they're we think they're we know they're better, we think they're decent. We're just gonna have to wait for conference play now because I think that's kind of I'm in that kind of holding pattern for a couple more weeks. Um, I think that's true, but I think it is good that you're getting out of here with wins. They, yes. they don't. No, not, for sure. <laughs> they're not going to give you a, a margin of victory, uh, you know, extra boost or whatever right now. Just get through non-conference play with, yep. with one or two losses. Um, then you've really opened up a lot of doors uh, for your flexibility within conference play. So um, I think Michi Johnson, after the game uh, against Withrop, tweeted, like, no matter what anyone tells you, winning a college basketball game is not easy. It's true. Uh, I'm paraphrasing. It wasn't exactly that, but it was basically that. Um, and that's kind of my takeaway from the last, like, maybe you've hit a little bit of a lull. Maybe some teams have started to figure you out a little bit after seeing you um, on film so much. Maybe 
you still have some weaknesses. But if you keep winning, um, we think they can probably compete against most average teams in the SEC, maybe not the upper echelon part. Um, your goal after after this, if you can if you can escape non-con with one or two losses, is get to 500 in the SEC and you're a bubble team. Yeah, uh, no arguments here. Um, I think I think kind of the main thing right now too as something else that I didn't realize how someone said it and I look back and they were right is you're going to play Elon tomorrow. If you win that game, which you definitely should at home against Elon, you're going to match last year's entire win total before Christmas. Wow. Um, before SEC play, you're at 10. Now you won 11 last year. Um, I think that kind of says it all. No one's asking the team to win the national title. No one's asked the team to make the final four, but again, I'm going to say it again, because it's worth repeating. You're going to match last year's whole win total next time you win a game, which really should be tomorrow which I'll I mean, have live coverage of at CLA. I mean, let's be honest about like some of our group chats and stuff, I guess, before the season started, we were like, you make the NIT, you kind of feel like you've made some progress, you know. Um, I think you're solidly in the, on that path, and, and there's even room for you to exceed those ex- expectations at this point. Yeah, we can talk about the math when it gets a little bit closer, when football stuff dies down a little more. I definitely think, like, if you clean up these last two non-cons, Elon, Florida A&M, um, that's tomorrow and then the Saturday after that. Um, nine and nine in the league probably gets you in. Eight and ten, you'd be on a bubble. Seven and eleven, you're probably turning more towards the NIT. But eight SEC wins is a target. Like, that's fair. That's reasonable. You're going to pro- you're gonna have to stay healthy. You're going to have to steal a couple of games along the line. But – the fact that we're having that conversation, I think, kind of sums up where this team is. Yeah, I, I mean, unless you like <laughs> really, 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 really fell apart in the SEC play, I think at the very least you feel comfortable with the trajectory of where things are heading under Lamont Paris. Obviously, there's still some work to be done recruiting, but he's kind of proven over the last two seasons and, and particularly this offseason uh, that he can find guys that fit his system in the portal and, and make it work together cohesively. So, yep. um, pretty good time on the hardwood. Keep an eye on Game Cook Scoop for all the coverage. Like I said, I'll be there tomorrow night. That's the last game for either team before the break. And everybody, that's about all I had sports wise. Enjoy your holidays, Christmases, your New Year's. Appreciate everybody following along this year. I don't know if we're going to record again before the New Year, maybe, but uh, if not, we appreciate all you guys subscribe, listening, watching, commenting, reading, all that good stuff. Yeah, and we will definitely have content going yep. every day uh, throughout the new year on GameCastGroup.com. So definitely go check that out. Uh, Going to be breaking down the class even more. Um, start. I mean, it's always football season, right? And yeah. uh, finishing up some some basketball talk. I oh, there we go. I was unable to end the stream there for a second. All right, this has been the GameCastGroup.com podcast. We'll see you later.